This is the coach, Brendan Sir, with another Coaching You podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, Doris Burke, the, you know, an analyst for ABC and ESPN, sideline reporter, 25 years in broadcaster, is going to share her ideas and thoughts on the NBA, women's basketball, and beyond. After this break, Doris Burke. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And I'm so excited today to have Doris Burke, longtime friend, and so happy that you we finally got this together because it, you know it's a it's a you're on a list of, of people for a couple of years that I wanted to do and uh, thank you so much for visiting today. Oh, my pleasure, Brendan. It's uh, it's always fun chatting basketball with you, and you know we go back a ways. So yes. yeah, this is going to be good. Well, let me tell you, um, you know I, I I you know we've known each other for so long, and and you know, but I, I think one of the things that every time I'm around and talking basketball with you always pops into the question, you know, whether it's, you know, and I said, you're so knowledgeable, you communicate so well, you have such great relationships with players, you, sh- you should have been a coach. <laughs> well, I was a coach for two years. I was an assistant coach at my alma mater uh, mm-hmm. and worked for Bob Foley, who taught me, as you know, great coaching, like you remember those people who touched your lives, one, mm-hmm. because they shared the game that you're so passionate about. But two, they taught you a ton. And um, to be honest with you, Brendan, I thought I would be a coach for the rest of my life. But when I was in my second year there, got engaged, knew I wanted to be married, and knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, at Mm. least for several years. Um, And I didn't think I could do both at a very high level. There were a couple of women, you know, Pat Summit, uh, Rainey Portland of Penn State, both of whom had very successful programs. But it's interesting. There was a moment when Rainey Portland went to her first Final Four. And I went to the post-game press conference because I was part of the broadcast. And the first words out of her mouth were, I'd like to thank my husband, John, for raising my children. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I... Listen, you know, she was a terrific mom. I know she's still close with her children, obviously. And But it was sort of this moment where I said, okay, you listen, you always wonder, have you made the right choices in life? Did you end up where you're supposed to be? 
for me, that one particular moment, I thought, because I stayed home till my kids were, were five and three, respectively. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't start really humming along until they were almost eight and five. So it was a choice each woman battles, I think, in their yeah. lives. And I'm not telling you, like every other working mo- mother, there weren't times where my broadcast career made me feel guilty. But sure. I think I made the right choice. Well, you know, uh, your kids do that. And, I, th- you know, and and. I think knowing how my wife raised our two children, uh, I don't see how you could do it, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't see, I mean, I, I, you know, you know, the, the mother is the most influential person to a child. I don't, not, nothing against men, but, uh, you know, it's a fact. And uh, I, I, agree. I think you and did the right it's thing. It's interesting to hear your, fr- you know, Hubie Brown talk about yeah. his wife and just an abject awe of what she had to do because of the way his career move from state to state, city to city. Every family has sacrificed, but it is, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Brendan, when I'm, when I'm done broadcasting, I think I would love to be a high school coach. I truly do. Hmm. Well, Yubi was my high school coach. <laughs> no way. Yes. What was that like? And I actually babysat for his son, Brendan, when he was oh, a baby and I was like a sophomore gosh. in high school and he and Claire were going to go out like on New Year's Eve or something. And here's the sophomore point guard who wants more playing time over there babysitting for their kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I have no problem. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing babysitting because I've never done it in my life, but I was going to do anything that man told me because I worshiped him. You know, it was oh. a greatest experience in the world because he was the best teacher in our school. Yeah. He, yeah. he was, the, he was a football coach. He was the basketball coach he was the baseball coach and he was so good and then when he brought me to the Hawks uh, to start my NBA career uh, he was such a good coach you know I didn't know I, I didn't know a damn thing about the NBA I you know and and for a year I had no idea what the hell I was doing and it was like sitting there with someone that is the best in the world at what they do and I'm just soaking it in I got Mike Fratello giving me cliff notes on the side teaching me what to do and and I'm working there, and our great owner was uh, Newport, Rhode Island's best, uh, Ted Turner. And uh, uh, and so what happened was uh, our baseball team at the Atlanta Braves at the time was not very good, and he uh, asked Yubi to be the manager of the Braves. And Yubi's ready. To, and Yubi's ready to roll. I mean, Yubi's ready to roll, and then Bowie Coon wouldn't. Uh, the commissioner of baseball wouldn't allow it to happen. That's how. Wow! Good. Yeah. I didn't. Oh I yeah. Never. Of yes. all the great Hubie Brown stories. And I don't care what time of the day our game is. I don't care where the second game, if I'm with Hubie Brown, I make him come out for a post-game beverage because I want to hear the stories. He's one of the great storytellers in the world. And I say this to you, and you tell me what you think of this supposition. (laughs) I don't think there's probably a living person who has affected more generations of basketball people than Hubie Brown and on more continents than Hubie Brown. Think about all the teaching he has done and the coaches he has impacted. It's truly his, his is an extraordinary life, Hubie Brown. He's, you know, and, and Patino, you know, was like myself. He was lucky to learn from him and Fratello and guys like that. And he, he taught everyone the game and it taught it in a, he was, Hubie was a teacher and that slash coach. That is what the great coaches are their teachers yes yeah. and uh, you know he never had to worry about recruiting players or anything like that and this guy had the ability to take what was complex and make it simple 
and he's just brilliant and he and he focused he was the Vince Lombardi of basketball how's yes. that you know great great comparison and, yes and indeed. Uh, and he, you know he he just he and and if you can believe this stars when I'm a sophomore in high school he is the same as he was now he just I mesmerized a gym a room we would go to five star basketball camp when it first started and he would command a building with kids that have never been taught, minority kids from all over the country, and there is you can't hear a pin drop. Yeah. You know. Yep. I mean, that's yep. that's how powerful he is as a it's, teacher. Yeah. So it was neat. But I projected you. I think you would have been an incredible men's coach. Well, it's an interesting supposition, and I'll tell you something that's fascinating for me to to start to watch. And I'll have this conversation sometimes with Jeff N. Gundy as we start to see women get opportunities. Um, in the NBA. And one of the things I appreciate, and I'll, I'll take the example of Greg Popovich, one, hiring Beck Hammond in the first mm-hmm. place. Sure. Two, and, but, but as important, right, is the, is, okay, at the start of the year, he gives Becky Hammond a preseason game to coach. How about that? Okay. Now here's the thing about that. And, and I'm sure it's hard for certain guys because first of all, women are just breaking into the field. So you've got to pay your dues. Sure. You've got to apprentice for five, 10, 15 years. Look, look at Patrick Ewing and how long he had to <laughs> right. apprentice to get a head coaching job. But what I appreciate about Greg Popovich is now James Boreo, uh, Atore Messina, uh, Ume Udoka, they all deserved an opportunity to coach that preseason game. Of course they did. And whether Pop had an overt discussion with them, I don't know, Brendan. But the fact of the matter is Greg Popovich is trying to push women forward, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I'm sure it changes the dynamic. You know, men and women, there's some fundamental differences, but I think it's important that these women are getting a chance. I just read an unbelievable story um, about Becky Bonner and having an opportunity yeah. to sort of break into the management side. So it's it's fascinating for me to watch. There is, you know, a process that has to play out here. But the fact that Adam would come out and say, I hope at some point we have a woman, you know, that's a head coach in the NBA. The process has to play out, but the process has begun for women. And that's really exciting for me. I was talking to one of my colleagues yesterday and I said to him, what happens first, a head coach in a Power 5 men's basketball program with a woman or a head coach in the NBA? Mm, great question. What was, what was the answer? NBA. Really? And I, and I totally agree because, and, I, and I'm saying this about my customers, my colleagues, and you know I don't give a damn, but they, there's no way they, they would just savagely, uh, you know, just badmouth the poor woman. Uh, recruiting wise, you know, and say, you yeah. don't want, you don't yeah. want your kid to go play for a woman, you know, and that and stuff like that. NBA, those guys don't care. All they care about is, can you coach? That's all they right. care about. And can you help me be get better? And you know what the hell you're doing. And if you have that credibility and stuff, that's why I think it's going to happen. And I, 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 that's my belief, you know. Plus, the league is one of the most proactive um, the, leagues in the world on any number of fronts. Right. Whether it's it's encouraging its players to be involved in in the social yep. issues of the day, Adam Silver marching in the gay pride parade. You're 100 percent right, Brendan. And and this is something that that Jeff and Mark Jackson have said to me all the time. Players care about a couple of things. 
One, can you coach? Do you have a plan? Can you make me better? And can you ultimately get me where I want to go? And if the answer to all those questions are yes, then nothing else matters. And I, I find yeah. that fascinating. And, and that's, you know, it's incredible. And I, listen, I've said this often, and you know this because we've known yeah. each other for a long time. Listen, when I first came on the air, and I was an analyst for men's college basketball, and certainly when I started to do a little bit of analyst work on the NBA, you know, it was foreign to the listener's ear. And anything that is foreign or different or strange, it takes you back for a second. Mm -hmm. And there was some objection out there to that. And it was not unexpected. Some of it got really personal. And that's okay, because it happens to anybody who's who's in the public light. But I will say this to you about the men, um, both on the collegiate and the NBA level. And I'm so appreciative is from the moment I started and I don't know why it is you know but they the players and the coaches Brendan have been my soft landing spot mm -hmm. they have counterbalanced any lack of um acceptance from you know maybe the fan which has changed completely now I think I'm so you know, I've been doing it long enough that people are like, oh, yeah, we know her. Mm -hmm. But but I'm so appreciative of the players and the coaches and their willingness to just discuss basketball with me because right. it's it's helped change, I think, public opinion. And, and that is the key. and that is the key. Like years ago when uh, uh, I had Gino speak at Coaching You, uh, the men were unbelievably excited because they said, wow, this guy's not a woman's coach. This guy's a basketball coach. And yes. Gino and I sat for hours uh, during our visit. And he said, Brendan, I want to coach in the NBA someday. And I said, you can. You can. And he really, as you know, he does. He'd love to. He'd love to be an He'd assistant. He'd love to. That's his next iteration. I can't wait for him to tr to do it. And and you know and 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 as you know, he's the most. And people say, "Oh, he's bad for women's basketball." He's been great for women's basketball because he showed that excellence in any profession is what it's about. And he's he's doing it with no male players, if anyone's noticed. These are all great uh, it's, women. It's it's a hundred percent correct. And no, he doesn't. He doesn't coach women's basketball. He just he coaches. coaches like if you've ever been to his practice. Yep. It does, it's not about their gender. It's about a standard of excellence and in, in an incredible level of teaching. And I believe this fully and listen, far more uh, savvy, knowledgeable and experienced basketball people than me, i.e. Jeff Van Gundy, mm -hmm. Bob Knight. They have both said that he could coach anyone at any level. Right. So I 100% agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day Gino does step out and, and try something new, yeah. if that's what he chooses. You no, know, and, 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 and the thing is, is that, you know, you know it's ironic because, you know, you've done so many women Final Fours, is that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, last year, you know, he handled losing with the grace of, you know, mm. I don't know if I've ever seen in a Super Bowl type of event. And, uh, but you know, we, we've had a lot of male coaches now coaching women's basketball, which I also think is great. People in the women's side are upset that we don't have, it should all be women coaching. But I think if we want diversity and we want the best doing it, I want women coaching men and I want men coaching women. I just want what's best for the kids. I agree. And I'll say this to you, like far beyond the national championships. And I played against Gino and I was an assistant coach against Gino. Oh, wow. So I go way back. The reality is, 
you know, I, I, we just want the best coaches. It doesn't matter yeah. gender. I don't exactly. care. The best coach I ever had in college basketball was the man I played for, Bob Foley. He mm-hmm. taught me so much, Brendan. I couldn't agree more. It, it doesn't matter. I get what women are saying, but the reality is diversity works both ways. Yeah. No question about it. Well, speaking of this, now you've you've done an amazing thing. You've made, uh, you've helped, you've helped, I know you would never take the credit, you've helped make a women's college basketball, you know, the WNBA and all the great things that go with it. I mean, it is, it is must-see events, okay? Now you've moved strictly to the NBA. Uh, what does that feel like now to be acknowledged by, in your profession, by ESPN and ABC to say, uh, you know, you're so good at what you're doing. And most importantly, the guys that I respect, the Jay Bill assistant, Jeff Van Gundy say, forget that she's a good woman's program. She's the best men's analyst there is. And that that's so, I know you're humble, but that, that is so cool that your peers and your people say that. You know, it's interesting. I had somebody ask me what was the best congratulations you received as it relates to the new position. And I said, well, I don't know if it was congratulations, but the night that Doug Collins, you know, it was announced that he was going back to Chicago. Um, And I was so happy for Doug because you know him, he's so hyper competitive and he, you know, he just, he, it was perfect for him to go back to Chicago. And the timing obviously helped me. But I remember about 9.30 that night, the day of the announcement, I got a call from Jeff. And he said, Doris, are you, you know, you were aware that Doug left? I said, of course I am. He said, do you want those games? I said, of course I do, Jeff. And he said, well, you, you need to make that known. And I said, Jeff, I'm not very good at those calls. So, and thankfully my bosses were ahead of me. Uh, you know, they had been, I guess, marching down that path to give me that opportunity. But it wasn't a congratulations. It was more that Jeff said, okay, this, you know, she's ready to do this. Somebody who's been a coach in the NBA who has such respect you know, that meant a great deal to me. And listen, you know this, Brendan, like I'm still learning. I, there is so much about the NBA that I pick up on a daily basis. I love it when coaches let me come to practice or shoot arounds because mm-hmm. I love watching them teach. Um, and, you know, I try to go to a couple of training camps every year just to watch the, the systems get put in place. But I'm, I'm so happy. It's, I'm watching two NBA games a night. I might finish the, the West Coast one the next morning because I've fallen asleep. But it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, and to be honest with you, you know, Rebecca Lobo, Carol Lawson, they, they've Carol. earned the right to call a women's national championship. I did it 17 years. I thought it was somebody else's turn. Yeah, and they're and they're terrific. And Kara did our, so many of our college games at LSU. She is a superstar and now doing Wizards basketball. And I'm so happy for her because she's a star. She's terrific. And now no doing question. some, and now doing even some NBA games. I saw right on Christmas Day. I think she did a game. Correct, she did the noon Philly game. Yes, yeah, she is so passionate about basketball. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Tirico and I used to joke about Carol Lawson. If she ever went into politics, we wanted to be her her manager because we knew she, this young woman's going to be successful at whatever she wants to do because she's got great work habits and and loves basketball. So yeah, no doubt. Nah, Tirico's the best. He's... Oh, Tirico's so talented. <laughs> but let me ask you this: the NBA, I think. Uh, having been in it from 79, 80, when Magic and Bird started, you know, back when UB was coaching the Hawks and stuff, Red Holzman, I'm coaching against my, 
you know, I'm, I'm growing up in New Jersey, Red Holzman's the coach of the Knicks. I'm coaching against Red Holzman. I, I can't believe <laughs> that this. had to be nuts. Oh sure, yeah, I mean, like, I want to get his autograph and stuff like that, <laughs> and you know, and 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 I'm sitting, and and you and so to watch the game evolve over the years, and now I think we're in a. A really different way the NBA. I mean, I mean, I remember when Van Gundy is coaching the Knicks after Riles, and you know the way Jeff played, very deliberate style. You know, you know the Colin plays, and they have isolation plays every day. And now the game is free flowing, and I think Dan Tony and Steve Kerr have had such an amazing influence on the game in a good way. And I love the NBA now. I absolutely love it. I love the players in the league. I think they're great. And I come from the the bad boys. I mean, you know, and I'm not into the, oh, we could have beat those guys. No, the heck with that. I'm living in the present. These kids are terrific. I've, I've, it's interesting to hear you say that because, you know, I, I pay attention to Charles and anybody who's played and been around the league. You know, you're, you're interested in their perspective. What do they think of the current iteration and you know, there's some objection and super teams and guys joining forces. Listen, I, like you, that was my fandom of the NBA started with, with Magic and Larry. Mm-hmm. And I was a Knicks fan. I loved watching Bernard King work that box because when Bernard oh. King was healthy, man, nobody in the NBA had anything for him. And Hubert right. Brown is pulling all the strings. But but the the reality is, I listen, You you we all evolve. The game evolves. It changes and I find the current basketball a ton of fun to watch. The ball movement, the incredible uh, shooting that's on display on a nightly basis from Clay and Steph. How quickly <laughs> these guys. I mean, Clay Thompson takes 0.79 seconds to get the shot off. Like, And increasingly, it's probably important to be able to get it off that fast because these guys just close so hard. They're so long. There's such switchability. Listen. I feel so lucky to be courtside. I mean, so I'll sit in NBA Finals and think, holy mother of God. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to be sitting here with a bowl of popcorn and, you know, watching with my friends and eating up every second of it. So I'm with you. I I, I have loved every second of it. The game is certainly different. Um, I remember the slog fest between the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks yep. and you know how intense all that was and every generation has its has its greatness and selling points but this is this has been a fun era for sure well, let me ask you the other day for instance you had a, a wonderful game uh on paper uh you know cleveland boston you know but yes. tell me about you know in, let's talk about covering a coach talk about brad stevens and as mm. a as a person that loves coaching uh Tell me what you think and what he's brought to our league that, you know, people say, oh, yeah, he's a college coach. They can't they can't coach in the NBA and how he has changed that perception. You know, my my association with Brad goes back to, believe it or not, Brendan, he was an assistant coach at Butler years ago mm-hmm. and they were it was their program was ascending on a national level and. He was the, the, I was the assist, or I was the sideline reporter on Dick Vitale's team for the Coaches versus Cancer or the Jimmy V. So it was a, uh-huh. you know, huge event in New York City. And my routine as a sideline reporter to get some sense of, you know, questions I should be asking these coaches was to go to the assistant who had the scout. You know this, the sure. assistant who had the scout. You know, they're, they have an in-depth knowledge. They know everything that the head coach wants to see. So I, mm-hmm. and there was just this incredible 
passion and knowledge and attention to detail from Brad all the way back then. And the first time I see him as a head coach of the Boston Celtics, he brought up that moment. Wow. He brought up that moment. So think about, and it had to be 15 years before that particular moment. And I just, I love the humility. I love the sensational thirst. Like in our pregame meeting the other night uh, with Jeff and Mike Breen, you know, Jeff was asking him like, you know, are there things you think you do well as a head coach? Is there something you, you think you've got to do better? And he said, to be honest Great with you, question. Jeff, because wow. he said, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to figure out a way to get our offense better. He said, I'm, I'm relatively pleased with our defense. There's areas we can get better, but I haven't figured out how to take best advantage of this, this team. So, you know, as good <laughs> as he is as a tactician, there's this hunger and thirst for, for ongoing learning. That, that is, that is so neat. And then, and then, you know, you know, when you, when you go and you see now you watch Ty Lu, who, you know, you covered as a, from a player to an assistant coach with doc and stuff. And now, you know, he's coaching, you know, arguably the best player in the world. What's it like covering LeBron James? I mean, yeah, listen, this guy, I, you know, he has provided some of the most memorable moments of my broadcasting career, which is now like over 25 years. And the year he won his first title, um, I, you know, he had come off the loss to Dallas and the year he wins his first one, you know, he was so emotional. And that year was the first time I had to do the post-game ceremony of an NBA finals. Wow. The great, the great legendary Stuart Scott, who had been battling cancer, was supposed to do it. And he had to be flown back to, to Hartford because he had, you know, he was, he had gotten very ill. Uh-huh. And so the morning of the, the final game, they came to me and said, you need to do this. So, but Jeez. I just, <laughs> yeah. And I just remember, you know, there's been so many moments, but that one in particular to, to have experienced the, the level of hatred, because I don't think that's an exaggeration that he got for leaving Cleveland and going to Miami and having it play out the way it did to see him fail in one finals and then to climb that mountain again, to interview him after the, the Cleveland title, you know, there he is a kid who's never been very far from Akron. Who's never forgotten where he came from. He's been incredible. Brendan to me, he's one of the greatest of his generation. I'm so appreciative that when I ask him questions, he considers every question, puts a thoughtful answer together and responds. And it's been it's been my privilege and honor to cover somebody who is pursuing greatness like he is. Every time he interviews with you, and, and, and it's funny how you know you notice things. He always will say Dars. He'll always t- say your name in his re- answer to you, which I think is that's, incredibly. Respectful. That's really interesting. Yeah, always yeah. says that. And then a lot of players, they'll like literally in the interview will go, "Hey man," and they're talking to a woman. And they'll go, hey, man, I'll tell you, man, it's really, <laughs> but he's <laughs> like, he is so alert yeah, and, yes. you know, and, and I just love it. And what the NBA environment provides for these people, just being around greatness is here's a kid with a high school education that I think is simply yes. brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Kevin Garnett, I think was along the same lines. Another kid, brilliant. Kobe, Kevin same deal. Brilliant. Kobe was exactly. brilliant. And, and, and this guy, uh, I think he's emerged too. I mean, having coached against Michael for years and coached him uh, on all-star teams and a dream team and stuff, uh, I knew 
how smart he was and everything. But this guy is, I think, very is very similar. He's brilliant. And he, and what do you? Where do you put him? Like, okay, so you have seen some yeah, of the the yeah. greatest. I, I mean, I, I mean, you coached in the era of yeah. Stockton and Malone, and I mean, you yeah. have seen so many great guys. Like, are you a person who will compare players, or do you just respect individual greatness? Where do you put LeBron in the pantheon yeah. of great players? Do you consider those things? Yeah, I, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm one of those that says, well, you know. Uh, Michael's the best. Okay, and I leave it at that. But I don't believe in comparing generations because, like, Yubi will say, "Hey, hey, Oscar, you can't believe how good Oscar was," <laughs> you know, and and he'll go in there and he'll tell you all about Oscar. Hey, the guy averaged a triple double for a year. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and he'll go into the. Yes. Hey, you, you, got know, a, you got him down. Pat. Hey, it's a staggering <laughs> stat, you know, and he'll, you know, and he'll, you know, and but and you know, and and Yubi coached Kareem too, and and you know. And, you know, to compare him to Shaq, let's say, you know, uh, this guy had the highest skill of, so I don't think, I don't like to compare. I like, to, you know, and to say, to, you know, you know, the kid from, uh, you know, Giannis, is he better than Larry Bird? Maybe someday, or uh, I don't know, but he's pretty darn good. And <laughs> I know he can do yes, things Larry yeah, can't, yeah. but I don't believe in comparing as much as I do uh, recognizing the greatness for when they were, but this like I said to somebody today, I think LeBron is sensational. And the person got very upset because they said, you know, they said, oh, Kobe Bryant's better. And I said, well, I wasn't comparing him to Kobe Bryant, you know, you know, because I think, right. you know, hey, yeah. you know, Kobe, yeah. you know, Kobe took my Jordan rules and put about 61 on them one night. So, you know, <laughs> so, I, you know, you know, I, I just think that those guys are sensational. But I, I, I just I'm remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable of what LeBron is, you know, but at the same time, time i'll tell you that ben simmons coming at it you know going into lsu you know if you get coming out uh coming in he was more advanced than lebron coming out of high school how wow about, yep. no, and how about lebron saying to the young man you've got the potential to be better and listen to these he does know, he does wow, but he doesn't believe that? oh yeah wow. but he he does okay, can he get a can he get a legitimate jump shot or do you think brendan it's not necessary ultimately for him to be super successful oh he needs it and i told him that as a freshman lsu i said you know uh, you're gonna be the first pick and you're gonna be the rookie of the year but you ain't going beyond that if you don't get a shot and that's what yeah. you know and he yeah. wouldn't and he wouldn't buy it uh but he's gonna buy it now uh but he's you know but the thing that separates and this is the thing about bird magic isaiah um and and all these guys is that their will Michael, their will to work and develop their game and keep coming back and improving every year. The Russell Westbrooks keep getting better. Durant, it's a game changer. Uh, Steph Curry, where he was when he came in from Davidson, where he is now, it's not even close. Correct. So I don't know if Ben has that. I don't know if Ben. No, no, I'm not going to sign off on it yet. And if he doesn't have that, he's not going to get near those guys. Not near them. And he has more ability. And he has more ability. And he has more ability. And this is what I say to people all the time. And something I didn't understand. I didn't understand many things and still have so much. But one, when I was a kid, because I played 82 games, Brendan, I didn't realize how much coaches crave and value the rare opportunities for practice that an NBA season affords. Because for any number of reasons, like teaching a still a high, an incredibly high, probably, well, no doubt the highest level of teaching goes on. But the other part of this is I don't know that people appreciate how much work goes into the craft 
for all of these men. And as you say, they pay a price in the offseason. They maybe take a week off and then they go build their game brick by brick. That, to me, is an underappreciated part of the NBA. I think sometimes fans, because we see these superhuman feats, we think, oh, you know, the good Lord blessed them with incredible ability. Well, they might have been blessed with some great athleticism, but they build their games brick by brick. And and that I have great admiration and respect for. And and that's what you see when you talk about, you know, the best players in the league and, and you see what they, the maturity level that they have, that they do understand at that point, it's a job. Ben and those kids that are 20 and 21, they don't understand yet. Yes, they're in, you right. know, because it's, it's, you know, the paychecks are so different. You know, I remember when we won our first championship with the Pistons, our entire payroll. Can you want to guess? Oh, for, my gosh. For a steak I'm dinner anywhere here. in the world, girl. Guess. Oh, my God. For the this entire... is 89, 1989. 1989. Our entire payroll. 10 million? Six point. Six million. Stop it. Yes. Isaiah Thomas, highest paid player, one point two million. No Joe Joe Dumars. Joe Dumars, like two hundred and eighty thousand. Bill 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 Lambeer, six hundred thousand. Dennis Rodman, two forty. You know, I mean it's a joke. And 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 they played for passion and love and and that and, and now it's like you know, our average paycheck is eight point five million. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars for the great Joe Dumars. Yeah, Unbelievable. and the only guy what the, a microwaver. You remember? The yeah, microwave was about a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar player, but he was many years into the league. You know, at that point, right. you know. Yeah, so, right. I right. mean, so you know, we had this. You know, but and and you know, it, it was funny. You know, we had two guys probably at, making Rodman and he making a little over a half million. There were the only two guys in the world and the planet that could guard Michael Jordan. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and for years, Mike, you know, and Bird was making 1.8 for years. And, 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 and Jordan, you know, was making 3 million when he was by far the best player in the world and stuff. But nowadays, you know, you know, you might have a guy go and strike if they offered him 3 million, you know, correct, correct, is that a 10 day yeah. contract? You know, oh, unbelievable. <laughs> Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. 
when you travel the league, Doris, uh, you know, when you're going to see, um, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook, let's say, what what are some of your neat matchups that you love? Like right now, are you fascinated with the Golden State and Houston matchups, or what? Which ones are the intriguing ones to you? Well, you know what's interesting for for so many years, the Eastern Conference has been so maligned because mm-hmm. there's been this inequity of you know the power shift, and and even this year, you think about the off season and the departure of so many great players to the West. You know, Jimmy Butler pops into mind, and they're on our air tonight against Boston. You know, it's fascinating to me that the East is starting to to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really uh, fascinated by what happens in Philadelphia with yep. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Right. You know, that's that's an interesting. They've got to stop. You know, they built, you know, how many double digits, 15, 20 point leads and not been able to sustain them. You know, this young players have got to figure out how to win in this league. So watching that growth and development of those young kids, young guys Mm -hmm. with with such extraordinary talent is something that I'm really curious. Listen, personally, I'm I'm very happy. You know, Billy Donovan is a classmate of mine. And so, you know, that that team went into the season with such expectation three great individual one-on-one players who have had to try to figure out how to mesh their their talent and they finally seem like they're figuring it out russell has stopped deferring so there's a packing order russell first paul george second and Melo now filling in around them that story developing is fascinating to mm-hmm. me what happens with houston in the playoffs you know we we saw, uh, you know, James Harden underperform in the closeout game in the San Antonio series to to a great degree. Was that because he needed another seminal talent beside him, which he now has in in Chris Paul? Like, there's a million storylines. Yeah. People kept saying to me, "Oh, the NBA is just Golden State." Well, let's not baptize them yet. You know what happens with Isaiah Thomas when he's able to be fully incorporated into Cleveland? Because they they look awful right now. Uh, and LeBron James will get restless and some, some, you know, he may start set, uh, you know, sending cryptic messages or tweeting. Listen, the NBA to me is so fascinating on so many levels. And, and there's a great story out today on ESPN.com about the, the Patriots and sort of this human dynamic between the owner, Bob Kraft, the coach, Bill Belichick, and the great, greatest quarterback maybe ever in Tom Brady. Like, as great as these players are, as great as the coaching is, the human aspect always comes into play, right? The egos, the 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 desire for greatness, the aging player, all these things that have to play out over the course of time. And you look across to me, 30 teams in the NBA, and it's all fascinating. So I, I don't know that I'd pinpoint anyone, yeah. but I'm not, not a person who's willing to just baptize Golden State as the NBA champion. This league is too hard. There's too many great players, too many great coaches. Uh-uh. I don't think it's a given yet. No, I, I agree with you. And before the season, when they were literally trying to hand them the trophy before we even started training camp, uh, people would say, oh, there's no one that can challenge them. I said, you don't know how hard it is to win back-to-back or three. Yes. And, you know, I was lucky to be with a team that was for five years in a league, you know, five years in a row, the first or second best team in the league. And we only got two championships out of it and lost right. the seventh game by two points, you know, another year. And and then the other two times got knocked out by Boston with Bird and McHale and Parrish, and then the other year got knocked out when Jordan had already won a title. So See that? Like, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And usually championships, and, and the idea of playing 
110 games a year. The toll it does on the guys that yes. get knocked out in April 14th and don't play. And you all of a sudden you go to June and you pick up an injury and stuff. You ne- Your body never recovers. And, and LeBron then, James, think about you. You talked about LeBron seven, James before, Brennan. Seven straight. He, I mean, with the the Celtics did this what fifty years ago. Like, can LeBron James get another team to the finals? I don't think that's a given, and I don't think that's a given because Boston is building great habits. They've got this young, dynamic coach who's a great tactician. Um, Toronto, Toronto. nobody's talking about. They've changed the way they played. I, there's just it's. And, and, and Washington has talent at the guard yeah. spot, and yeah. they can shoot the ball. Uh, I'm not, I don't think they have all the pieces, but they're talented, so they can hurt you on your path to the finals, uh, yes. to the conference finals. But I think what has happened in my experience is that usually championship dynasties get destroyed not by another team, but internally. There you go. And that's there what you, you brought about the human dynamic. Yes. And so I, I usually it's, as Riley would call it, and Jeff, you know, the disease the of me. The disease of me. Oh, that famous thing. Oh, I've had it a few times. But, uh, you know, it, it's really something. But, uh, Doris, you know, you, you share so much. We could talk for years and years. And I, I'm just such, I'm so pleased that we're friends and that you taught me a lot over the years of being able to talk basketball with you. And the last time we rode together in a car from uh, from the Clippers training camp to from LAX. The Clippers, I remember that. With Johnny yeah. Jones in the backseat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And, uh, you know, and just the idea of uh, just talking basketball, I could do it all day with you. And please, when next time you see Yubi, you know, tell him his little point guard said hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him. I will tell him for sure. It was my pleasure. Always. Thank you, Doris. You're the best. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Doris Burke. That is a gift. Uh, this is a woman, a peer, a, just an incredible, incredible person that I could talk basketball to all day. I know you enjoyed it. Uh, until next week, the coach, Brendan Sir. <laughs>